0: This past January, I was in Boston for a week-long intensive with my Doctor of Ministry program at Boston University. Our class was an eight-hour-a-day, sometimes longer, deep dive into the world of, and get ready to be excited, qualitative research. (laughs) For those of you not in a research field, qualitative research is a set of methods where a researcher is concerned. Not necessarily with numbers, but by how something is observed, labeled, the quality of the thing, the person, the idea. Instead of concluding I have 15 stoles, the cloth around my neck, the stripes, in my office, a qualitative researcher would instead observe the colors, the length. They wouldn't know this was my ordination stole this congregation made for me. They wouldn't know that it has several streams of theology and philosophy flowing into it from my personal journey as a minister. They would just know that there's weird little blue patches and stripes, and it's reversible, and they would look at the cloth and the weight and the feel of it and describe it. Nine long days we dove into that research. We would go out on half-hour treks to the surrounding town of Newton, Massachusetts, documenting everything we saw and observed. We would document people walking down the sidewalk, driving through a rotary, sometimes disastrously, grabbing lunch at a food truck. We'd take notes on the looks of homes and cars, lawn signs, what did they say? What did they look like? Were they old? Were they falling apart? The clothes people wore, the condition of the streets, they were impeccable, the cleanliness of the city how people interacted or avoided one another, and so on and so forth. We were engaged in the practice of ethnography, of documenting the rituals, customs, appearances, and behaviors of all the people and places around us. Specifically, we were engaged in the super exciting practice of taking ethnographic field notes. we take our quick and voluminous notes gather back in class and share what we noticed, often about the same part of the neighborhood as the people sitting next to us. The notes we took were always different. Our notes were influenced by our own eyes, our own histories, our movement through the space and our own cultural backgrounds. And we learned to notice that too, to take notes on ourselves as well and reflect on how who we are as individuals could change what we are observing. It is a long-held axiom in fields such as psychology, sociology, anthropology, religious studies, and so on and so forth, that to just observe something changes it. It changes because the universe is not static. It changes because we are unique individuals bringing out our own biases and experiences. It changes because we are labeling it in the act of observing Now, I loved this class. That was awesome. I would go so far as to say it shouldn't just be a doctoral-level class, but every future minister should take a class like this because we spend a lot of our time observing, often imperfectly. Yet we are called to do this. It is common sense that a minister should never just show up and change everything in a congregation on day one, but instead they are to observe, to wait to build relationships and explore trust with the people they serve. So much of our work is in taking field notes, documenting how we live out our Unitarian Universalist tradition here in Lexington or wherever we serve, and taking note of everything as best as possible because our churches are living and breathing expressions of a living and breathing tradition. We didn't just stamp our gray hymnals with the words singing the living tradition because we thought it sounded really cool. We did it because on some level, it is a shared Unitarian Universalist value, that revelation is not sealed, that religion should not be stagnant, and our individual lives in community write the story of Unitarian Universalism. One of the hopes for this doctoral program I've engaged is that I would be able to bring back a good deal of this to you here on Sunday morning or elsewhere. But how does one bring back something as exciting as qualitative research methods and ethnographic field notes? It doesn't exactly sound like a sermon I would want to hear, though I realize the irony I am preaching that sermon in this very moment. I really struggled with this until... The wonderful staff here had an idea. Why not take field notes in the congregation, specifically about their cars and their bumper stickers? Surely we would learn something interesting there. UUs have a lot of bumper stickers, don't they? What would someone learn about who Unitarian Universalists are if their only experience was in our parking lot? There may be someone still trying to find a spot. We don't know. This was an exciting premise. Bumper stickers are everywhere. Now you already know, I love bumper stickers. And it is an annoying habit of mine that I will drive very close to people, just so I can read what's on their bumper. I will often argue with it, even with passengers in the car. I'll give someone a thumbs up or wish I could give another gesture entirely. (laughs) Bumper stickers are ridiculous, they're inspiring, they're engaging, they're nonsensical. They can also be expressions of lament, hope, our values, and our faith. They can also be calls to action to the people driving behind us, and they can be many other things as well. You don't have to look far to find what is often called bad bumper sticker theology, It just so happens that a lot of it is evangelical in its nature. For instance, and this is a favorite of mine, are you following Jesus this closely? (laughs) That one isn't too bad. (laughs) One that is absolutely terrifying to me, though, and perhaps you've seen it around town, is this. In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. I don't even believe in the rapture, and I will find any excuse to get away from a car with that bumper sticker. (laughs) But then there's also the plethora of hellfire and brimstone stickers we are subjected to. Try Jesus. If you don't like him, Satan will take you back. Or the all-too-off common, hell is real. Those two are clear in their messages. And then there are those stickers that mix religion with political campaigning. Donald is mine, chosen divine. (laughs) Now, I honestly do enjoy bumper stickers. Some of the theological ideas are abusive and harmful, yet they get me wondering about the people that were so moved to spend a buck fifty to slap that on their car. What motivates them? Do they really believe that? Why were they moved to display that particular message, whatever it is? I'll even ask myself those questions when I, see, when I see what I feel is an increase in explicitly racist, xenophobic, and nationalist stickers. Oftentimes, they are also laden with four-letter words right next to a Jesus fish. But I'll also ask this of the stickers that I have an affinity for, coexist stickers, Rainbow flags, equality signs, Darwin fish, flying spaghetti monsters, Unitarian Universalist chalices. For the past two Sundays, our high school youth have been taking field notes. They've been coding and tagging the information, taking photos, entering data, and asking themselves the question what could we learn about you use just from your bumper stickers? Now, let me just say, I imagine this being a casual, Exploration, but no, we have pie charts. (laughs) We have spreadsheets. (laughs) We have a library of data that exceeded my wildest imaginings for this little project. Oftentimes, Unitarian Universalists get the stereotype of being a people that go all in when they're committed to something, to the point of being undeterred in our focus. Now, that is just a stereotype, but for this simple bumper sticker ethnography, it sure was true. Now, I could not possibly share all of the data with you this morning, but we're going to lift up a couple of the highlights that we have here. So, I present to you the bumper sticker ethnography done by the UU high school youth here at UUCL. And they had a simple premise. What do our bumper stickers say about us? And what do they say about us without us, with us ignoring what we know they mean, right? I can email this to the choir. <laughs> now, oftentimes, there's a stereotype about what kind of cars you use drive. And we found that... First of all, I will not be sharing the pie charts. I'm sorry. I had to sign. Yeah. I would lose my reverend title if I ever showed a pie chart during a worship service. So, uh, (laughs) but there's often a stereotype about what you use drive. And we found, you know, here a lot of people are like, oh, we drive Subarus. I hear that all the time. We drive Subarus. Yeah, we do. We do drive Subarus. But the biggest amount of drivers for any specific brand is Toyota. And if we didn't know Kentucky had a Toyota plant, what would we, what would we think about that? What kind of information would we be going? They just maybe there's a Toyota dealer in the congregation. Uh, maybe to, only Toyotas are allowed in Kentucky, um, and a lot of them are Priuses. So maybe people really love electric cars and hybrids and things like that. But that's what we found. But we also started digging into the actual bumper stickers. And I'm just going to lift up a few of them. Now, a couple disclaimers. None of this is to shame people for their bumper stickers. Um, We love them, and I know some of you are like, oh, I got a lot. I am up there. (laughs) But this is to lift up. What would we learn? What are we saying to the world? And we'll dig into this a little deeper. What are we saying to the world about who we are as Unitarian Universalists here in this congregation? What are they trying to tell us? We'll start with mine. Mine is simple. It's really simple. And the data was very objective. It said, chalice symbol and flag. That was all it said. It's very simple. But if you knew what that flag was, you might assume, oh, this person really likes Chicago, or they're really, what kind of message are they trying to send here? But if you didn't know what that was, I've had people go, why do you have the stars and bars on your car? (laughs) And which point I go, well, this, no, it's a different symbol entirely. That is not what that is. But very simple, and that is most of our cars. So we're shattering the stereotype that you use have bumper stickers everywhere, that we're driving VW vans and we have bumper stickers all over it from our journeys, with world peas all over that. <laughs> so very simple is what, that's what most of the data tells us. So what does that tell us? We don't like bumper stickers. Is that what it's supposed to tell us? But then we start getting into other things, and I know who some of these. I'm not going to say whose car this is or any of the cars. I will not put you on the spot. I promise here. But then we start getting a little more explicit. Something about Wisconsin. Some sort of H. There's an equal sign. There's a bicycle. It's a Prius. Now I had to have Wisconsin come after Chicago, and that was on purpose. But if you look closer, we're seeing Transylvania license plates. We're starting to think, okay, this person likes Wisconsin, Transylvania. There's some sort of equal sign. There's bicycles. You're starting to learn what their values are. And then it gets further. Now, I will say, none of the political bumper stickers constitute an official endorsement on the part of your minister at all. Vote your conscience. Vote who you will want in office. Vote your values. That's all I'll say. But now we're starting to get some explicit values. I'd rather be writing, which means this person will be writing my sermon next week if I ever find out who it is. (laughs) We're also seeing names. We're seeing political candidates. We're finding out that this person really wants to be doing this with their life, that they want this person in office, that they're really involved in memoirs, and there's a lot going on there. And then they get more explicit This says, love is our doctrine, service is our prayer, Unitarian Universalism. If I saw that, I'd go, what is is Unitarian Universalism? If I didn't know what it was. And if I didn't know anything about this tradition, seeing that, if I was an alien that landed in the parking lot, I had three minutes before I had to go to another planet, I would go, that's what Unitarian Universalists are. And they stand up for science. Science is important to them. But then they get get more. Oh, yeah, track and field. We have track and field. Um, now this one is really important because there's always this question of what do you use believe about God? And almost every bumper sticker in our lot does not explicitly mention a deity. At all. Except for this one. It says that love thy neighbor thing, I meant it. Signed, God. But on the other side, we only had a few flying spaghetti monsters on our cars, which is a symbol for just saying religion is... It's, Look it up. You'll see it. Flying Spaghetti Monster. Just, just look it up. Just look it up. And then they get further. What are we learning about this one? This person likes food. This person likes seed leaf. They like coexist. They like pieces backed by popular demand. I, I hope it is. We're learning that they giving life the shape of justice. Another thing you use, believe, and that they hold dear. They like the Lafayette Choir. They must sing in the Lafayette Choir, and A will always help them when they break down on the side of the road. <laughs> I mean, this is important stuff. Like, what are we learning? We're celebrating diversity. This is great. There's a rainbow flag. We like rainbows. If we didn't know what that meant, we'd just go, oh, that's really beautiful. If we like rainbows. There's that you, you thing. What does that mean? There's standing on the side of love. Huh. That's an interesting value that people have on their car. There's another equal sign. There's a tiny version of love is our doctrine there. There's something I, don't, I can't read there as well. There's AMI. If I had no idea that it was Anna Marie Island, I might think it was the American Mustache Institute. (laughs) Which is a real thing. It's an alarming thing, but it's a real thing. And then we have a lot of these, resist. Just simple, resist. What are we resisting? What do we have here? We're resisting something. We feel we're called to resist, and it's just a simple statement. I want to ask that person what they're resisting. And yet some folks, some folks tell me exactly what they're resisting. They're resisting fascism. They're resisting patriarchy. The Republican Party. Some guy named Mitch. Are they resisting Hicks or do they want Hicks? I mean, I know what the answer is, but... It's telling us everything. What are they resisting, and what do they hold dear? What are their values? What do they believe? Who might this person be? Get- if I was well, I've driven behind this person. I know who this is. But if I was driving behind them, I go, I want to talk to them. I want to get to know them. Whereas other folks might be, What is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, like we. There might be that reality there. But these are important things that we learn something about ourselves by what we really want to put on our cars, what we really, like, if we're wearing a chalice around our neck, if we're wearing a Black Lives Matter button or pin or a little bracelet, or learning, like, if I'm wearing the stars and the planets one, what does that say about me as a minister in terms of what's around my neck? If I'm wearing the the resist fist, what is that saying about your minister? What are you wearing today? What did you decide to put on? What little tags or labels or other things are you trying to tell the world of who you are? And this is why this was interesting, is we learned a lot about the congregation by what wasn't on there and by what was on there. Now, this might be a fun little exercise for us to have explored. But what we also learned is that it is shattering some stereotypes about who Unitarian Universalists are. I already mentioned we have more cars out there without bumper stickers than we do with them. And that is not a disappointment in this exercise. It is a valuable piece of information. Some of us love to put our voice right out there for everyone to see. We've taken the plunge and we want people to interact. We sometimes hope they interact. The reason I have a Chicago flag on this is I would love to have Chicago and be like, hey, I know that. That's cool. Let's talk. And others still find ways to use their voice differently. And perhaps some of us are still figuring out what we want to say in the first place. That's an important piece of information as well. For as long as there's been Unitarian Universalism, this 11-syllable-long religious tradition, we've been trying to figure out pivy statements to tell people exactly who we are. We often call them elevator speeches, little short speeches we could tell someone in the span of a simple elevator ride. Now, whenever I hear you use talk about elevator speeches, my gut response is the follow-up question, how tall is the building? (laughs) Can I press all of the buttons before we ride the elevator? (laughs) Because I honestly don't believe we are a religious tradition that can sum it up in one short statement that everyone in this room will say, it works for me. But therein lies the answer. One of my mentors once remarked that the closest Unitarian Universalists ever get to a sacrament, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace, is the act of testimony. Now, he wasn't talking about the kind of testimony that some of us are thinking of, hooping and hollering and falling out of chairs and pews, but the simple and powerful act of sharing our story, our journey of faith, with each other and those around us. Just as we often call this a living tradition, a religious tradition that is continually enriched by the lives of every single person in this room, we are also a chosen faith. Most UUs come to our congregations by their own choosing. And even for the few of us in this room that are lifelong or near lifelong UUs, our upbringing in UUism, it's been a formation and it's been all about choice. We are asked, why do we choose this place, this moment, every Sunday? We are asked, how have we been enriched by the heretical, radical, life-affirming history of this tradition? And perhaps more importantly, what can this tradition learn from our stories in our lives? There is no bumper sticker that can encapsulate all of that. Perhaps there are ones that can pique someone's interest. What exactly is that cup with a flame in it why is it next to a darwin fish on their car and all of those progressive stickers about smashing the patriarchy we hope just as i hope those images on our cars mean we are ready to testify to what they mean to us in the parking lot should someone ask us i would hope we are also at the ready to share our values that we come to in unitarian universalism with anyone and especially in the face of a world where our values are still radical. What can one learn just from surveying our cars on Sunday morning? They can learn that, yes, many of us are committed and passionate people. We champion causes. We drive eco-friendly cars or signal a commitment to the earth. But the data that is most important is that those cars are in this parking lot. They are parked under the canopies of apple trees, a Kentucky coffee tree, persimmons, mulberries, pine, and maple, parked there because we woke up, greeted the day, and said yes to our hopes for a world where dignity and worth for all people is realized, where democracy and the voice of all people is celebrated, where everyone is free to search for the truth, free from the fires of hell and the judgments of the clergy. Hopes for a world where our interconnectedness with the universe, is not just understood intellectually, but felt and acted upon with integrity. These are the hopes that bring us here. Bumper stickers are not to this place and to any such place as ours. But these are not simple hopes. They are grand visions for a world renewed, beloved, and whole. Why shouldn't we want to share them? And is it even possible to encapsulate them into bite-sized sayings? but are we ready to go into more depth? When was the last time you told someone about Unitarian Universalism? Not in the hopes that they would drop everything and immediately join, though that is always nice. But when did you tell them about this free faith when you were being brave, sharing your hopes for the world, advocating for justice, or even while the person cutting your hair asks you the questions everyone gets asked in Kentucky, where are you from and where do you go to church? Unitarian Universalists have been known to hide their light under a bushel, to tuck it away, to quietly identify. And many of us come from bad experiences of when religion was expressed in a way that was weaponized. But that is not, nor should ever, be our goal. We do not bludgeon people with the threat of hellfire, the tyranny of an angry God, or the diminishing of human worth. But do we have our commitment to the, But we do have our commitment to the good and the right, to worth and dignity, to that which is life-affirming and life-giving. If those are weapons to fear, and some would say they are in 2019, then fear them. Fear our values that bring worth and dignity. It's weird that people would fear that. To bring life-affirming and life-giving communities such as ours, to honor our commitment to the good and the right. If a chalice pendant or a bumper sticker are our first steps to sharing the good we found in Unitarian Universalism, especially in the face of injustice, that is a wonderful thing. Yet what will call us to take the plunge, to testify to the vision Unitarian Universalism has for the world? We are a small religious tradition, but our hopes are indeed mighty. What is your testimony for being here? What will you say to the world. Blessed be. Amen.